Some people might be like, oh, but I want to sell to everybody. See, that's where the why gets like diluted and, you know, then you don't stand for what you stand for. Because a lot of this work, even in inclusion, even in being different, it's hard work, you know, and it's hard work anyways, being a small business owner. So just know that it's not all going to be, it's not all going to be easy, but it's not all going to be hard either. But it does feel better in the long run. It's sustainable when you can stand behind what you've built. And that's when it just starts to really feel like, okay, I know what my values are. I know what my values of my audience are. And I really truly want to be selling to this particular customer. Welcome to Inclusion and Marketing, a show that's all about helping you uncover the skills and insights you need to win the attention, adoration, and loyalty of more consumers, especially those with differences that are often ignored by brands. I'm your host, Sonia Thompson, a marketer and someone with a lot of differences. Let's get to it. Ever wondered what unicorns eat for breakfast or maybe what they use to keep their skin looking so flawless? Well, even though I don't know these answers, I can tell you something equally as interesting and unicorn related. Over 20% of all unicorn startups are using HubSpot and for good reason. HubSpot's all-in-one platform levels up your sales, software, and support so you can grow beyond your wildest dreams, boosting leads and ramping sales along the way. They even have a constantly evolving collection of resources to help startups scale. Plus, with HubSpot for Startups program, you can save up to 90% off your first year. I'll admit it does sound too good to be true, but unlike that majestic and also incredibly fictitious unicorn, HubSpot for Startups is all real. To see if you're eligible to save on HubSpot and take your growth to new heights, visit HubSpot.com startups. Whether you're a minimalist or an ultra consumer, all of us interact with and buy products to help fuel our lives. And as the world becomes increasingly more diverse and consumers start to expect and demand the products they buy and the brands they engage with be inclusive, it's incumbent upon product-based businesses in particular to ensure they are infusing inclusion into every part of their brand. To dive more into this topic, I chatted with the co-host of the Product Boss podcast, Jacqueline and Mina, who are both entrepreneurs and product experts. Together, they've taught thousands of people how to build product-based businesses. We covered a lot of ground that'll help you whether you work on or in a product-based business or service-based one. So without further ado, here's my chat with Jacqueline and Mina. Hey, Jacqueline and Mina. Thanks so much for joining me today. How are you? Great. Thanks for having us, Sonia. So excited to be on the show. Yeah, thanks for having us on. It's totally my pleasure. I'm really excited to dive into your expertise around product-based businesses. But first, can you all just kind of tell the people who are you and what do you do? Um, Well, I'm Jacqueline. And the other voice you hear is Mina, and we are the partners and the co-founders of The Product Boss and The Product Boss Podcast, and you can listen to that wherever you're listening now. And we help physical product-based business owners uh, scale their businesses. We help them think bigger and create these dream lives that they've always imagined having. So a lot of times we know that a lot of uh, you know coaches out there are coaching service-based businesses. But so much is different if you sell a physical product. And what we also believe is that there's many paths to profit. 
So no matter what the product is that you have to sell, we know that there's a different path for each of you to create your product, sell your product, and your dream life looks different than the other person next to you. So we really want to help you decide on what's best for you and then help you grow a business that can really support your life and your family's life and impact people around you. Nice. So what are your thoughts on what the state of inclusion is as it relates to product-based businesses today? Well, I think that who we typically work with is small businesses. So any anybody with 50 employees or under is considered small business. And I think that we're starting to go in that same direction together. And it's a little bit slower because small businesses really are, you know, I think that at the forefront of inclusion would be big box stores, Target and Walmart and, you know, all of those. And what we see with our small businesses is that we work really hard, but it's not as dispersed or is not as distributed as, as quickly, but definitely we're seeing so much more of, you know, inclusion in, you know, even in um, packaging, even in visual display of, you know, ad campaigns, even in social media and even internally with hiring. So that has been really great to see on the small business level and really how Jacqueline didn't mention, but mostly we work with people that build literally empires, multi-million dollar businesses, sometimes straight from their living rooms or their basements. So we're really getting to see, you know, from the ground up bootstrapped. And so it's really exciting to see that inclusion and that philosophy really, you know, built into the core of the business from the get-go. Yeah. And I think that it's happening in three different ways. In small businesses, sometimes it's harder in terms of inclusion when they're looking to hire. But I think it's in hiring marketing and the product diversification. Hiring for sure is something within our own business, within the businesses that we support. And when you see this in big businesses, that they're hiring and really thinking about diversity and inclusion. And then when we think about marketing, that was, I feel like that was the low hanging fruit. That was one of the quickest things they jumped on um, in terms of product-based businesses and showing representation when it came to visual representation. The biggest change I'm seeing that I'm really excited about is in the product lineups. We saw that with Fenty Beauty, for example, when um, she came out with all of the shades of foundation. We've seen that with Skims and the different product lineup that they have. And also in terms of like, let's just talk inclusion and skin color, but also in terms of body diversity, um, in terms of gender diversity, all the things. So I'm, I'm really excited to see where we're going now that the world is, is catching up with what's Mm -hmm. really happening in the world. I mean, I've, I went into a Kohl's for the first time. I'm not even kidding since probably like 2018, not even when I say pre pandemic, I, it had been a long time and now Sephora is in there. So I live in Iowa, Jacqueline lives in Los Angeles. So at my local Kohl's, I saw a whole bunch of merchandising that is so different now, different skin tones, different body types. The Sephora has different, you know, transgender. It has all different things in there. And I was like, that is really cool to see because like I mentioned being in Iowa because we get everything last, let's just say, you know, and it's nice to see that it is going out in a concentric circle in a way, you know? So while we're seeing that even in product diversification, but even in the merchandising of it and even in the usage of it, I guess, from the consumer standpoint. So that's really cool. It is nice to see the evolution of it. And I know there were a number of events happening um, in 2020 in particular that got a lot of brands focused on this more so. But I think that was more so from the moral imperative and people have just kind of been building on the momentum. But there are even more brands that I think are starting to awaken to inclusive marketing in particular 
as a growth lever. So I read um, an article in the New York Times a couple of years ago, and they were talking about the craft beer market in particular. And they were expressing how they realized that the craft beer market needed to grow and they needed to expand beyond. And this is what the New York Times said, white guys with beards. You know, that's kind of the headline of the article. And as they started reaching out to women, to Black people, to Indigenous people, to Latinos, like they started to see that, hey, all these other groups like craft beer too, it's just now that we're marketing to them, we're able to see so much more growth and people really getting enthusiastic about this market. What are your thoughts or what have you seen with product-based businesses using inclusive marketing specifically as a growth lever? Or is it more like the moral imperative? It's both. I like that it's usually started from the moral part of it and then in terms of growth, because if we go from growth, I don't think that it's necessarily genuine or something that they're going to be able to integrate in terms of their values long term. But, you know, you know, we're not in on all those meetings. So people buy from people and people like to see themselves in the people that they're buying from. So we used to work with somebody who had a photography studio and she would shoot those family portraits And she said, you know, if I shot a family with two sons and I put it out there in the world, like, you know, as two parents and two two boys, she would automatically have people that came in with two sons and two boys. So it would be the same for all of us. If you start to show people, if they get to see themselves represented in your brand, they feel like they belong. And ultimately, I think product-based businesses get really caught up. And this is probably all businesses. We get caught up with thinking it's about the actual product that we're selling versus how people feel, their emotions, the values, everything around it. And um, just going back to this beer example, because it's football season right now, right? So it's all the beer commercials. And Mina's like surprised that I'm watching real TV to see real commercials, but I'm learning (laughs) a lot. (laughs) Yeah. I was watching the other day, there was this commercial that came on that were two, um, they were white women, moms jogging in like their suburban neighborhood in gym clothes. And at the end, they get together and they're so excited that they worked out and they cheers each other with two cold beers. And I started laughing out loud because I was just like, okay, they're trying to pull, they're trying to be inclusive by pulling women into the beer market. But this was probably made by a guy because women don't tend to go like meet after their jog and drink a beer as far as I know, the women that I know in my life. So it was just really interesting because I think there can be hits and misses to it. But I think as long as people are trying, that's the first step in terms of the major change. Yeah. Yeah. And an example in our community is um, Hey Mavens. She's a lingerie line and she does body inclusivity because I think inclusiveness is, you know, it's gender, it's neutrality, it's body, race, age, religion, you know, all the things. And for her, um, hers was really being about body inclusive, and then it ended up being body neutral. So I wanted to give that example for lingerie because it evolved. And I love the example that you gave from beer because beer used to be a young man's game. Marketing beer was a young man's game. And when Dos Eques came out, they created the most interesting man alive. Why? Because it was something different than the young 20-something-year-old frat boy that was getting drunk on Bush Light and Bud Light. 
you know? So Dos Equis came out with that, and then it evolved. And now we're seeing it evolve again. Now they're trying to target women, sure, you know, but they're seeing the interesting Man Alive was a really great ad campaign. It lasted for a really long time. I think it still lasted, you know? He was interesting because he was different. And so we're starting to see that even in a larger scope. So I love the example of beer because I think that as we start to... The thing that I'm excited about most is I have two daughters and they get exposed to different things than I was ever exposed to. And representation is is so important, especially in Iowa, for example, because you get to see that representation, you know, on television or on social media or, you know, TikTok, whatever kids are on these days. But also just to add in a case, because I know this is, you know, you're you're a first generation immigrant in an Asian family, yeah. right? So you're two girls or two young Asian girls in Iowa. Right that are looking for that representation. I know. And it's so funny. My oldest, we're hitting preteens now. And so she's 12 and she's like, mom, can I go hang out with this new friend? She knows I don't like her to go to anybody's houses, you know, like to keep them real close. And then she was like, but you know, she's, she's Mexican. I was like, (laughs) oh, so that's like an automatic yes, because she knows that that's important to me is having the diversity of, what she gets to see. So like now it's actually pretty cool because now there's, I was saying to Jacqueline, even the cartoons my little one watches, there's, she watches um, Dog Pals or whatever, where there's all the, the, they're all dogs. The characters are all dogs, but there's disability dogs. So dogs with like one ear, one paw, there's one with no um, back legs and they have wheels instead. And, you know, so I was like, oh my gosh, this is so cool to see their generation really see that as, you know, what we see as inclusivity is just their norm. It's going to be their norm, which is really exciting. It is nice. And um, you you were talking about how you went into Kohl's and you saw a lot of um, diversity. We, the other day, my husband is from Argentina and his family is in town visiting from Argentina. So we've been in all the stores recently as they've been shopping and doing different things. So we went into a Burlington coat factory and I was roaming around, and so my daughter, of course, is mixed race. She's Afro-Latina, and she's two. And I was looking at the toy section, and I saw, I smiled because I saw there was a broad range of dolls in terms of color, hair texture, and I was just really appreciative of the evolution because it used to be that you would only see white dolls, and, you know, their hair would be straight. Mm -hmm. And so she's got now a broad range of different types of babies that she can carry around. And it's because people are starting to see these product makers that it's nice to have that diversity and whatever dimension of diversity it is that they're defining. And and people are seeing themselves reflected or just understanding that they're seeing more differences reflected. And even if it's not their particular difference, it's one that matters and they appreciate and it endears them to the brand a bit more. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Even Harper Amon, she's a handmade uh, doll brand that got into Target. And you'll see a lot of different hair textures. Before, when we were growing up, even finding Asian dolls, I remember being little and being like, and and my daughter being little, I mean, and wanting an Asian doll for her. And be, most of the conversation was, I think this one's supposed to be Asian. <laughs> <laughs> but now, you know, for sure, they're different. They're great, you know, and it's more accessible. And so that's great. And And we're seeing it in the purchasing power. Cause I think that's what we're seeing reflective too, is people are spending their money on things that they feel like Jacqueline said, they feel like they belong with them, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's like, 
they're starting to realize that different cultures and different ethnicities and different body types, I mean, everybody, they all have purchasing power. And it's not just as far as beer, the young white guy, you know, as the New York Times had said. So one of the things that I think you mentioned it, Jacqueline, was that sometimes um, there's the evolution, right? Like, so maybe that that beer commercial that you were watching, they were trying to target women. It wasn't quite right, but like we still appreciated that they were trying. And then with the dolls that you were giving, or at least they were trying. We think this is supposed to be an Asian doll. It wasn't quite right, but now mm-hmm. they've gotten it together. Have you started to see, or what advice, I guess, would you give um, people with product-based businesses about that evolution? Like, Because I think sometimes people feel like it has to be perfect right from the start, whether it's in their marketing or whether it's in their product. But I think that it's more acceptable to understand that you're going to have this evolution and that as you get to know your customer better, you will be able to meet their needs better. Absolutely. You know, we say done is better than perfect or better done than perfect, right? Like all the things of just imperfection. We never feel ready to start a business. We may never feel ready to be parents. You know, there's so many things we're never going to feel ready and we have to do it. I think the first thing is kind of defining your why and your mission. We cannot save the world. We cannot save everyone. We cannot represent everyone, right? Like we want to be specific to something that really aligns with our values that can last over time, like let's call it the lifetime of the business that we're creating. So what is important to you? Is it representation? Is it representation of different bodies and different skin colors? You know, some people have, there's like religion. So for example, we work with a lot of candle companies and there's always the scent of pine, pine needles, trees. I'm a Jewish woman. So it's like, I don't even know what the scent is for Hanukkah, right? Like there's like, luckily now Target has like a little end cap for Hanukkah that we feel somewhat represented that we can like decorate our house, for example, because we never grew up decorating our houses. So I think the thing is, depending on your product, like exactly what you're saying, depending on your consumer, where you are in the world, what matters to you and what will then matter to your customer, I think you just start to take that step forward. You start to define it. It would be your first step. What's important to you? And then you test it and you try it. You know, is it that you're using hand models that have different color skin, different age skin? Are you showing your face? We work with so many women that have started their businesses post their first career. We work with um, a zookeeper that was a zookeeper for 30 years. And in her, like in her 50s, she started this beautiful, it's called Copper Hummingbird, an amazing, it's hummingbird feeder from an expert zoologist, basically, if that's the right word. And, um... She's post-career, like she's she's not old. She's just older than what you would imagine as a business owner. So show your face and be inclusive. There's there's ways that we can bring inclusivity, even in the representation of ourselves, building these businesses. Mina, an Asian family, first-generation refugees, like she owns a multi-million dollar business in a small town in Iowa. Show up as yourself. And believe it or not, Sonia, the funny thing, we were just saying this, is that people really do love to see themselves. And I've been really excited to have more Asian people in the community, which is never, I feel like, whoa, I've never been surrounded. Like, I never thought that I could attract somebody just by being me, you know? So I think that it's beyond, like Jacqueline said, you know, earlier, it's more than just the product. People have these other needs. They have these other wants. They want to feel seen. They want to feel safe. They want to be heard. They want to belong. Uh, Why are they buying your product? And it has to be authentic. 
you know, it has to be authentic to, because let's say, you know, as uh, you test and try and you put your message out there and you're like, I'm going to try out this ad campaign and it gets backlash. You need to know that you feel grounded in the way that you feel. You feel, you are sticking to your true core beliefs or that you want to have this inclusivity or you want to, you know, do this or like the things that are important to you, like Jacqueline said, because in the world of social media, you're almost always going to get a critic. You're always going to get a critic. Even in business, there's always going to be a critic out there that is like the other opposing side. So, you know, while I would love for everybody to be inclusive, there's some people that are really anti-inclusive. And then that's their that's their prerogative and they'll attract the people they attract, right? Right. And then, you know, with you being building your business and, you know, maybe there's, you know, you're building it a certain way, you're you're figuring out what your brand is, you're figuring out who your customer is, then you start to know who you want to naturally repel and who you want to naturally attract. Yeah. And I want to just quickly add on, like we we are friends with Rachel Rogers, for example, and she talks about how Hello7, um, when they were deciding on their customer base, they actually decided it was historically marginalized people. So it wasn't, you know, women of color. It wasn't, you know, whatever, whatever it was, it was actually historically marginalized people. It allowed for actually a greater community of anybody that felt marginalized historically. So I think as we start to play with this inclusion and diversity, when I say play with it, play with it in our own bodies and our minds, how we want to represent it, what what we're going to stand behind, because we're going to stand for something if you're listening to this podcast, Um, already incredible people listening here, that I think you find what matters to you, and then you can represent that and attract the right people to it. Yeah. One of the things that you mentioned earlier was about values and values is something like, you know, I love to talk about and making sure that, especially as people are taking this journey of being more inclusive, particularly in their marketing and the products and services experiences that they're delivering, that if they want it to be sustainable, it has to be incorporated into your values somehow. Um, and the values, you know, Mina will help you stand if there's backlash because people don't want to be inclusive. The mm-hmm. values will help you stand in terms of, I want to serve this particular group of people. And I think that a wonderful place to start, you know, after you sort of establish what those values are, is then that helps you choose who are the groups of people that you want to make sure that you're serving. And then that kind of helps you say, oh, okay, I want to focus my efforts on accessibility, or I want to focus my efforts on, you know, these marginalized groups or body, you know, diversity. And I think that kind of really helps people get started because sometimes I think the world of inclusion might feel overwhelming if people think that they, especially if they think that they have to serve everybody suddenly all at one time. Absolutely. Yeah, agree. Okay, I've got another podcast recommendation for you. It's Latinx in Power, hosted by Thaisa Fernandez. It's brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. Latinx in Power is a podcast that features interviews with top-level executives, entrepreneurs, and innovators from Latin America, aiming to demystify the tech industry by providing listeners with insider perspectives and insights from Latin American leaders 
who have succeeded in their fields. I recently listened to the episode, The Power of Storytelling in Business with Andrea Marquez, and I really, really enjoyed it. You often hear me talking about the importance of diversifying your circle of influence, and this podcast is one that will really help you do that by hearing different perspectives about some of your favorite topics. Listen to Latinx in Power wherever you get your podcasts. Do you have any watch outs for marketers or even the people that you've been training over the years as it relates to um, being more inclusive with their products or their marketing? What do you mean by watch outs? Um, Just things like things that will help prevent any roadblocks or barriers or prevent them from getting burnt out. So it sounded like one of the things that you mentioned earlier was sometimes they want to serve everybody. They want to focus on all the different things and they should actually just be focusing on what you said that maybe their best sellers or the things that are most popular among their teams. I mean, among the people that they're serving. I think, you know, I think it depends on the product you're selling. Okay. So what part, what is represented? Like, do you have human bodies or faces in the photos or in the marketing? Cause we work, you have no idea types of brands we work with and all the things, right? You have, um, we work with bakeries, tea shops, um, jewelry makers, candle makers, apparel, um, you know, people who have created uh, inventions, product technology, like it's bonkers, Mm -hmm. the things and the places who we work with. So I think you first pick one, you start to say, hey, what, what really matters to me? It can be as simple as helping women make money, already is in, is inclusive of a world of where there wasn't a seat at the table for women owning seven-figure businesses, dare I say eight, nine, 10, right? Like there is such a huge gap between self-made women that are billionaires to men, right? I think this the biggest self-paid billionaire as a woman is she owns a, a roofing and supplies company. It's like 15 billion is like her net worth, which is a lot to some of us. And also a little, if you're representing, like you're pushing her against Elon Musk. Right. So, um, so I think we, we think about what aligns and if, and if it's as easy as I want, you know, women to feel seen and heard, which I will tell you is where I started for me personally, because it was something where of my background and how women were treated. And I come from a middle Eastern father who women were like, definitely not equal. Um, and, or if it comes down to race, gender abilities, anything, you know, like we help, we have um, a book company that we work with. She publishes children's books and she helps children feel represented, whether it's children on the spectrum. And then actually one of the big moves she recently made was she decided instead of having to come out with new books, why doesn't she just come out with her bestsellers in different languages? So I think for each of you, it needs to go back to some soul searching in your heart of what you can really stand behind. It doesn't mean this is where you're going to end. This is where you're going to start and you start somewhere and then you think, okay, is it going to come down to the way I illustrate my children's books, the models I hire, the hands that I use, um, the language I use, you know, maybe you take out pronouns and you start using, you know, they, them, or you, you get to choose how you want to represent yourself. But I would say one step at a time, the best way to eat a cake <laughs> is one piece at a time and then you will eat the whole cake. <laughs> so. 
Yeah, I agree. I think it's a personal growth thing. As entrepreneurs, we were never taught how to build a business, especially physical product-based businesses, because there's not as much education as service-based out there. That's how the product boss began, you know? And so I think that, you know, having that personal growth of learning about entrepreneurship and realizing that what you do in personal growth will spill over to your business is going to be really, really important because your path will be chosen because of that. Your choices will be because of that. How you, the my choices have a lot to do with how I want to raise my children, for example. And so I think that, you know, doing that, doing the work on the personal growth with you as a leader and then doing the business work of investing into, hey, do I need a course that will help me to understand what I need to be selling? Do I need to be um, hiring a, a person that in our business values that we want to make sure that uh, we ask these questions or we have pronouns as part of our how we show up to every Zoom meeting or are these values the ones that we want to represent? All those different things I think is really important that they stay aligned, but it starts with the development of the of you, you know, and you know, the development of you as a person and doing the work in that and it's spilling over to your business and the product and how you can exponentially and expansively put that out into the world. Absolutely. What are your thoughts on when product-based businesses should think about revisiting their existing products to make them more inclusive or to evolve them? to a point to where um, more people might be able to access it, whether that's language, whether that's, you know, accessibility sort of considerations. When should they start to think about that? I think I think it depends on, on two factors. I think one, now is the time to start to think about it. But small businesses are small businesses and they need to keep their doors open and the impact they're going to make is going to be by keeping their doors open, by becoming profitable, especially in a year like this year, and hiring people and creating jobs, like job creation and building new businesses with new values and structures. Kind of a couple of things that you mentioned, absolutely, you know, uh, accessibility on your website. Uh, that's something that we did a long time ago. And that that was something that none of us even thought about unless it was an issue for one of us, right? Like you're seeing impaired, hearing impaired, whatever it was that we didn't even think about it. So like one of the first things we did is we added uh, subtitles to all of our programs. That was one of the first things. It was a big project. And we had the privilege of having the money and the idea that this was really important to do sooner than later. And it wasn't because we were necessarily getting complaints. I think one time once someone said, you you talk too fast (laughs) and it's hard to understand you. Yeah. But that's when you realize it though, right? Because I think there does take somebody saying something and then you're like, oh, I didn't even think about that. We've always even talked about like when we, when we do, we haven't been doing speaking engagements, but when we do, it would be really amazing to have a sign language person, you know, and we're starting to see that more and more as well. So I think that definitely, um, just incorporating it a bit by bit into what you're doing. But I think that, like Jacqueline said, doing it now and and not feeling like you have to do it all at once. Yeah. Because that's what makes people stay, you know, like not take any action. They're paralyzed by the overwhelm of action. Yeah. Of I have to include everybody. I have to do in this perfect way. But I think one of the easiest ways is honestly in your, um, not your packaging, because 
for small businesses, that can get really expensive. But like Jacqueline said, it could be hiring. It could be um, an ad campaign that you roll out. It could be one special piece of your collection. Um, you could create language variations or color variations of different cultures. You know, it's like adding a new recipe in a way. Uh, we go off of bestsellers, meaning we teach from a way of you, 20% of your products will make 80% of your revenue. So when you stick to those, you can bundle things in certain ways or you could um, add variations. So for example, I have a labels company as well and I have different patterns and different variations of my bestsellers, which are seal and stick, labels for baby bottles that can be put in the dishwasher. Now, I didn't go and create a different product. I have one other product, which is clothing labels, but I didn't go create a baby bottle. I didn't create a binky. I didn't create, you know, pajama pants. You know, I didn't create all those things. I created variations of my bestsellers. So I think that the easiest path would be either ad campaigns or it would be uh, variations in your your bestsellers. So different languages, different cultures being incorporated, different, you know, photos in ad campaigns, different props, different cultures, you know, so um, different body types, just doing it that way versus it doesn't have to be a full revamp, you know, it can just be tweaking it. Yeah, I think it's the it's the representation that sometimes is the easiest thing to fix. Yeah, or work on first, if you have a photo shoot coming up, you're more aware of it, you're hiring people that are, are aligned with whatever the inclusion is that you want to represent. Going back to Annika of Hey Mavens, you know, she has this one incredible mo- like Instagram model who constantly wears and posts and people are horrible to this woman. They fat shame her. Like um, they, they leave her crazy messages and then they threaten her oh my gosh. with Annika putting out also reposting because she's using user generated content, which is something that a lot of you can do, right? As you start to see your products being used in real life and you're seeing the representation of the real customers that are using it, real customers, real people, moms that have messy houses could even be a, a, a representation of somebody. And you start to share it. You just want to stand behind, again, going back to those values that you've set initially of this is what I want to do. I want to just bring up the Ukrainian war because why not? Um, When it all happened about a year ago and people were trying to figure out what do we do, there's a war that's breaking out on the other side of the world. And we talked to our community about does this impact you directly? Does this impact your community? There are so many horrible things that are happening in the world. Each of us can pick up a sword to fight. And there's other people in other wars in other countries that aren't shown or represented, right? And so it's like this this European country and not, you know, wars that are breaking out in Africa, things like that. Now, we do have a student of ours that is of Ukrainian descent. She ended up saving, um, bringing in a family from Ukraine, bought out their company, wow. is merging that company with her company, and has been hosting them. They have a kindergartner, a teenager, two parents, hosting them at her house. That right there was something that was really important to her, inclusive of right now, if you would talk about a marginalized community, at least in in where they live and that are really in a pain point. And that makes sense for her and it aligns with her. And even when it gets really hard because she's taken on a lot of responsibility, she knows her why. So I think as long as you know your why and then take those little steps forward, don't get overwhelmed 
But I think going back to what Mina said, that's not for everybody. I don't want people to feel like that's, that they have to do that either because don't feel guilty that you're not bringing in an entire family that needs to be hosted and, you know, a family of seven refugees, you know, you do what you do in your way, even with um, Annika. And I think the point here is that, you know, uh, when the audience starts attacking that model that Jacqueline was talking about, Annika stands behind her and actually says it's a great way to repel the people that she doesn't want to be selling to anyways. It brings, you know, the the people that she does not want, you know, out of the woodwork, essentially. And she's good with that. Some people might be like, oh, but I want to sell to everybody. See, that's where the why gets like diluted and, you know, then you don't stand for what you stand for. Because a lot of this work, even in inclusion, even in being different, it's hard work, you know, and it's hard work anyways, being a small business owner. So just know that it's not all going to be, um, it's not all going to be easy, but it's not all going to be hard either. But it does feel better in the long run. It's sustainable when you can stand behind what you've built. And that's when it just starts to really feel like, okay, I know what my values are. I know what my values of my audience are. And I really truly want to be selling to this particular customer. But I want to go back and say that, for example, the Ukrainian family, she's not using that as a marketing representation at all. I, she's not even saying, hey, I bought these this marker company and She's not even marketing it. It's something that's internal that's aligned with her. So I think everybody gets to decide what matters. And is it internal? Is it the way that you're hiring and your practices? Like, what is the core mission of the business? And it can be simple. It's about representation. And I think it's going back to Mina because this is even something that we've discussed over the years, like being thought leaders going through whatever has happened over the last few years. You know, it's been amazing and it's been hard to manage. And the thing for both of us has been that thicker skin of allowing people to be repelled or to ask for refunds because they don't align with our values. And we're like, we have no idea how you have your own value. You know, like there's these things that, and we don't shop at companies because we for sure do not align with their values and what they support. And so it's okay. There are enough people in this world to buy from you and still make you richer than you've ever believed that you would ever be. For sure. I know you all have a challenge coming up for product-based businesses. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. So this is actually our favorite and most popular challenge. It's called the Best Seller Secrets Challenge. It starts off with some workshops that we, uh, a series of workshops that are amazing. They're called, um, the series is the Product Boss's Guide to Your Best Year Yet. So we start off with weekly workshops to get you kind of, you know, your wheels turning in your head. We start teaching you about how, the 80-20, like I was talking about earlier, but also how you can, as a small business, make more money and how you it can become easier. And we walk you through systems and your visibility and your sales and growing your profit. And really from the standpoint of let's do it together in community and let's have fun and let's, you know, um, talk about the things that we want to talk about because it's hard being an entrepreneur and you feel alone in that. And that's really why we started the podcast and everything as well is because you feel so alone in in entrepreneurship and, and 
specifically in physical product entrepreneurship because you're surrounded by boxes or you're just making or you tend to be an introvert, you know, which a lot of our audience is. And so the the challenge is perfect for that because it pushes you to work on your business, but in a really fun, communicative, collaborative way. And so it goes from um, the Product Buster's Guide to Best Year Yet, which starts uh, January 19th. And then um, it the challenge, Bestseller Secrets Challenge, our biggest challenge and most favorite one ever is um, it starts February 13th through the 17th. Awesome. Yeah, spend Valentine's Day with us. So yeah. I think the thing is, and this is for so many of you out there, and we have so many service businesses that are like, will this work for me? We want to teach you how to 2X your, at least 2X your revenue and your profits without 2Xing your effort. And so many people out there, and this is not your fault if you're listening and you're like, this is me. So many coaches and, and businesses and, and platforms out there teach you to make more, if you just make more things and more more types of products, you're going to sell to more people. And you're going to make more revenue. But more does not equal more does not equal more. No, it <laughs> equals your bank account draining and you spinning <laughs> and feeling stress and not knowing why your business won't grow. And so we really teach you how to create the snowball of sales with focus, figuring out your best sellers. And a lot of our, our students and people in our community are brand new and they don't even know what their best sellers are yet. So we really help them niche down, figure out what they can be known for in this world. Um, we like to give like the Juicy Couture tracksuit example, right? Like <laughs> if you're a child of the 90s, there was every color and variation of that tracksuit. And you bet your bottom dollar that the two women that created that company were so sick of velour tracksuits. I mean, they're having a, a minute and a comeback now. But they sold that company for hundreds of millions of dollars based on expanding their visibility, their awareness, their sales, their consumer base by really focusing. It doesn't mean they didn't sell other clothing items, but 80% of their revenue came from probably 20% of their product lineup and they leaned in. And so if you if you want to learn how to do that, come join us in these free workshops. It's at theproductboss.com slash best. That's theproductboss.com slash best. Come join us. It's totally free and you're going to feel like you finally have found your people because it is a community of thousands of product-based business owners. Oh, I love it whenever there's places where people can feel like they belong. And this sounds great. I'm going to link up to it in the show notes so people can access it easily. Thank you so much for sharing. Thanks so much for stopping by. Do you have any parting words of wisdom for marketers, business leaders, product-based business owners who want to you know, be more inclusive with what it is that they're doing and their marketing and their offerings? I want to say there's no perfect way to do it. I know that, you know, we're all just figuring it out. <laughs> Literally, even the people that stand up on their soapbox and they're just like, this is how you do it step by step. That's simply not true in the real world. We're all just figuring it out. We're doing the best that we can. So offer people grace and kindness and also offer your that to yourself is what I'd like to say. Very cool. All right. Thanks again so much for stopping by and hope more people join that challenge. Thank you. Thanks, Sonia. Thanks for having us. Jacqueline and Mina had so many great thoughts to share. If there's one thing I want you to latch on to in particular, it's the whole discussion around building an inclusive brand being an evolution. It isn't about where you start. No one is expecting perfection from the beginning. It's all about putting your best effort out there understanding that there will be learning and growth and pivots along the way and responding to feedback from the people that you serve. So when you approach inclusive marketing and building an inclusive brand in this manner, it makes getting started and making progress go so much more smoothly and feel a whole lot less daunting. 
That's it for today's episode. Remember, if you're interested in joining the challenge Jacqueline and me and are hosting, head to the link in the show notes so you can get signed up. And if you like this episode, I'd love it if you'd share it with a friend or a colleague. And if you're enjoying the show overall, I'd so appreciate it if you leave a rating and review for it in your podcast player of choice. Both actions really do help more people discover the show, which I like to think helps us build a more inclusive world. Until next time, remember, everyone deserves to have a place where they belong. Let's use our individual and collective power to ensure more people feel like they do. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you soon.